What's up, all you wine hoes? I'm Liz. And I'm Sav. And this is Over Porn microphone mic drop <laughs> welcome Literally. to this week's episode we're drinking champagne and it's gonna be a shit show i'm so excited for this champagne equals shit show all all the time this is urban press's brute sparkling wine it's called lyric we had this at brunch oh, okay. and it was mixed with a mimosa so we haven't tasted it just as is and we also had a lot of mimosas so this will be a good refresher yeah <laughs> Sip, sip, bitch. Well, yeah, champagne, yeah. Cheers to our exciting guest. Cheers to our mysterious exciting guest. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I like it. Yeah, this is a neat orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because when we were drinking this at brunch, the winemaker was like, why are you putting orange juice in my good wine? Yeah, <laughs> he said that to us. This is actually really nice, though. It has like a hint of fruit. Very crisp, very light. Guys, as always, we will circle back to this wine. We'll sip it throughout the episode. And at the end, we will give you some thoughts on unconventional pairings, pairings. Yeah. All right, guys, I want to introduce Marissa. She is a dear friend of mine. I've known her since high school. She is a cosplay artist and actor living in L.A. So, yeah, without further ado, let me intro Marissa. Welcome. What do you think of the wine? Mm -hmm. I'm a big champagne girl. I used to carry a bottle of champagne with me to parties in college. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Mostly because it's easier than sharing. But the sharing's not really the problem. It's really just when you go to, like, a countertop in a house party in your 20s, and you're like, I don't even know if there's still alcohol. I don't know if there's anything to mix it with. I don't think I want to have this, like, pop-off vodka. I forgot so. how stressful that was. And, like, before yeah, you're 21, alcohol. and you're just like, yes. will there be alcohol? alcohol. What's the situation? Right. So I just always started, like, my two go-tos were, like, a bottle of champagne in a hand or a bottle of uh, Jack Daniels in a hand. Wow. So two, two very, very extremes. Yeah. It, was, it really depended on the night, you know? It really depended on what we were going for. Well, if you wouldn't mind kind of telling us about your journey, how you ended up in LA. I know you lived in New York for a bit. Like, what happened after high school? Who was Marissa? Oh my God, so much. <laughs> so I moved to New York after high school. I did acting school for a little bit out there in a conservatory program. And then when I graduated, I was only like 20 years old. So I was like, ooh. I'm not ready for the real world just yet. Yeah, I'm still not ready for the yeah, real world. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't what they didn't tell me at 19 when I felt that way was that you never feel ready for the real world. Mm -hmm. Adulting is pretty much just like screaming yep. at all times. Yep. And I wanted to do theater and theater's a little more old school and I didn't feel like 
I at the time at my age I fit into the typecast that I would fit into sure. later on in life. So I didn't want to just kind of feel like I wasn't growing as an actor and wasn't gonna be able to like do anything. So I transferred to LA just because there happened to be a sister school for the school I went to. And at the time there was kind of like the rise of the edgy girl in film. Like two broke girls had come out, you know, Silver Linings Playbook had come out. It was this whole thing of like the dark hair, light eyed kind of edgy best friend and I was like okay like this doesn't exist in theater yet because a lot of theater is still old school there is new plays obviously but I was like let me try this and of course this at this point this is in 2014 which doesn't feel like that long ago but at the time it seemed like the best idea to switch over here and just kind of get more experience in film because that always been more theater based mm -hmm. and all that kind of fun stuff so what did you when you moved out here what did you think of LA compared to New York let me preface this with I'm a Bay Area native, so I'm raised to hate Los Angeles. No, okay. I'm, no, I'm totally kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, like, I think part of me was like, oh, you know, like, it's L.A. And, like, uh, everyone where we're from doesn't really like L.A. And also, we're from California. So there's this thing of being, like, getting, you know, everyone feels that feeling when you're 17 of, like, getting out of your hometown mm -hmm. or wanting to, like, move far away and be the one in your high school that does something or that you know whatever it is or like makes your dreams come true and I felt like when I chose to move back to LA it was a really hard decision for me because even though LA is this epicenter of performing arts and all these things that you can do I sort of felt like I was running back to my home state and like mm. I was I did all this stuff to move to New York and I always wanted to live in New York and it almost felt like a failure, even though there was like reason behind why I was doing it. But at 19 years old, not being able to figure out how to make New York work just yet right then made it feel like I was like, oh, God, I'm just going back to California because yeah. it's, you know, so I think that for the first few years, it was very strange for me because I kind of was like broody and like, I don't even know if I want to be here. Did you have friends when you moved out here? Because honestly, like I couldn't imagine if I didn't have friends out here when I moved out here, I don't think I would. Um, I actually, it's funny you say that I, I had some people that I still knew because since there's a transfer program in the school I went to, a good handful of people transferred to the LA program as well when I graduated. And there's also other people from different semesters or LA transfers who had gone to the New York campus, things like that. So there were people like new and I was good friends with my roommates and things like that. But I didn't like I felt like when I first moved here, I didn't really make friends as quickly as I had. Well, so you got out here and like what was kind of finding your flow then? It, it was interesting because at first I kind of like did my own thing, which worked in the sense of like I got a lot done and I was like booking and I got shows um, at school and like things like that. It was interesting because I just kind of did like a very lone not like lone path like I had my friends and all that stuff but when it comes to work I definitely have a habit of being like this is my work like mm -hmm. I'm gonna do this so when I first got here I kind of did that all by myself first and it was all great and it was fine but there's something that they tell you a lot in theater school and they're like you know like find your tribe and that sounds super cheesy but it's stuff like find your company find your tribe and it's because there is a million different ways to get into this industry and when you are young and green and new you're like, oh, I'm just gonna be super talented and I'm gonna break into the industry and that's how it's gonna go because mm -hmm. I'm different enough or I'm whatever, which all may be true, 
But as we know from being here, it's not that right. it's not that easy. And so when they say things like find your tribe, which I'm sure you can understand, like, you know, you have someone who's working with you right here right now, <laughs> like find the people that are willing to like after school, you know, after these experiences, you can call back up. And so one of the things that was hard for me was after doing it all, like I felt like kind of my own thing and alone for a while was once I was really out of school and it was, stuff wasn't coming as much. Like I didn't necessarily feel like there was people that I could reach out to and be like, hey, let's just like create something. Because especially with something like acting, you can't just do it. Like if yeah. you're a singer and you're like, oh, I really want to I'm just going to write a song. Or if I'm a dancer, I'm going to just improv you know mm -hmm. it's like if I'm like oh I'm, I'm I love acting so much and I feel like I haven't done it and I just really want to get it out you can't just be like well awesome. <laughs> like you know in the middle of your living room yeah 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 like I mean you could like I practice monologues all the time for fun but it's not the same as like doing a play or being in a movie yeah. or and that's where having those you know connections and friends are important not to move your career forward even it's just to be able to like get those yeah, yeah to get those outlets and do those things and to be able to like hit up a friend and be like hey let's just do a podcast together like fuck it like you mm -hmm. know so was one of those tribes that you found and like one of those creative outlets that you found yourself in cosplay because it was at your, on your instagram page you have a lot of cosplay things what kind of drew you um well, I would definitely say one of the creative outlets was definitely Instagram. And I have some very good friends since New York, actually, who all kind of do the Instagram thing. And we often do shoots together and fun stuff like that. As far as cosplay goes, I always, always loved anime. I got really into it when I was younger. I grew up with boys. My first favorite show ever was Sailor Moon. Um, oh wait, I actually watched Sailor Moon. I absolutely love Sailor Moon. It was uh, <laughs> up until the age of five, I would not respond to you unless you called me Sailor Moon. And that was <laughs> a very real thing. Um, and this is why it's kind of funny that I'm so into anime now and I've kind of incorporated it into my cult or into my career. I'm sorry, because I had no idea what anime was when I was three years old but I, that was my first favorite show and I was obsessed with it and then my I had an older brother so he obviously always picked what we were watching and a lot of that stuff was like Dragon Ball Z or uh Yu Yu Hakusho or Evangelion or these older like early 2000s considered anime. They, they're not even just considered baby girl they are like Yu-Gi-Oh Pokemon oh, I? Wow. I guess I am an anime fan. yeah so that's why it's it's funny because a lot of that stuff um there are certain shows that were part of our childhood that we never even thought about were anime because they weren't marketed as that. And I had gone to, my dad works in audiovisual tech and he runs like basically conventions, mm -hmm. like the like all of the tech stuff for conventions. So I had gotten to go to comic book conventions my whole childhood. And it wasn't until I was like 12 or something that my cousins came over and they were like, oh my gosh, this is such a cool anime. And it was Full Metal Alchemist, which I have tattooed on. It's like, I don't understand what an anime is. And at the, around the same time, it was like Full Metal Alchemist and Naruto, which I also have tattooed on me. <laughs> at around the same time, those were the first animes that I was like, this is anime and I'm watching anime. And this is super rad. I was into it forever. And then I just feel like in adulthood, it kind of, 
not like fell off, but you know, you go to college and you're sure. busy as hell in college. You don't really watch TV or do things like that. And back in the day, it was all about sub, like subtitled anime. It still kind of is, but, and you really have to have the time to do that because you're sitting in front of something. You got to read. You got to pay attention. Yeah, you got to you got to read. You can't just like have it on or listen to it. And so I just kind of fell off and. Uh, post-college. I was in a very, like, toxic relationship, and I felt like I kind of let a lot of my personality go away during that time because, you know, you're trying to focus on this person and you're trying to, you feel like you kind of lose a sense of yourself. And throughout that, one of the things that just kind of happened to slip away was watching anime and reading my comic books and doing all this stuff, and I just didn't really notice at the time. And after that toxic relationship, I had got, I had dated somebody in like a flurry of passion that I had like fallen completely in love with and was obsessed with and kind of started watching it again because he was kind of trying to get interested in it. After that second toxic round uh, mm -hmm. ended and I kind of like felt like I didn't really know who I was because I had gone right from this toxic relationship to this like passionate flurry before I really fixed myself and then that was toxic too and a whole mess. And it was interestingly enough like I had spent all this time distracted with like boys and all these things and I one of the guys I was dating was in Vegas and I spent like five months driving out there like every other week that it was a simple thing that I just kind of started watching TV again for myself uh because I just hadn't in years and it was just like the last thing I thought about and what I started watching right away was I was just on Netflix and there's this anime called Fairy Tale and I was like oh, all right, well. and I put it on and immediately like I was like wrapped back into it and was like oh my god this is so good I haven't even thought about it whatever and I watched the seasons that were available on Netflix and it ran out and I googled like where I could watch it and Funimation came up and it's an app for streaming anime and I was like ah, fuck it like I'm gonna buy it and that year I went to Anime Expo for my birthday by myself because I, I really wanted to go I at Anime Expo I went to a panel about voice acting I got into the idea about uh, wanting or reawakened this dream I had when I was a little kid at <laughs> conventions about wanting to do voice acting and I got mm -hmm. to go to this panel about it and I got to find a studio in LA that offered it that convention that I was inspired to go to from getting back into this thing because again this was like months after this like, heartbreak and this breakdown period that I had in my life I was this was kind of this thing that I clung to and I felt like how I did when I was 12 years old and you're trying to figure yourself out and that was like the thing I had when I was figuring myself out at 12 and weirdly it was the thing I had when I was refinding myself at 24 when I decided to go to this convention by myself because it was something for me which I felt like I hadn't done in so long it was the first time I ever cosplayed for real because I really I'd always wanted to do it when I was a little kid I had done some little ones and I'd always wanted to do it and I was like you know what fuck it I'm going to this convention by myself I am really getting back into something I like I don't necessarily have anyone in my life that is super into this stuff and whatever what have you but I'm gonna go and I'm gonna cosplay because I really wanted to do it, it. I did it for me were any of these characters like somebody we would know a lot of them were from that show fairy tale simply because that was the one that got me like back into it, all this stuff and it was kind of like an homage and then one was from Fullmetal Alchemist because it's like 
not only my OG, like it is my favorite anime. That was the first cosplay I ever wanted to do when I knew what cosplay was when I was like 12 years old, was this girl that I cosplayed at 24. So I had to do that one because I was like, okay, let's pay homage. So it was mostly fairy tale and full metal alchemist. And after I did that and was like, I got a really, really good reception on Instagram. And at this point, with Instagram, I kind of got a rise to Instagram fame with a weight loss journey and kind of being like an LA baddie and going to like the clubs and sure. being in like the little outfits, which is awesome and fine. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. And it makes me feel like a badass when I'm glammed up and all that stuff. But I felt like that got so focused on that. And I had also gone through this weight loss journey that suddenly everyone was like, you're a pretty girl. And that's all that you get to say and that's all that you get to do. Which when I, society, when mm -hmm. I wasn't a pretty girl because I was bigger, I didn't experience that because people didn't want to look at me. They wanted to hear me because that was what I had to offer. It was a personality. And so it was a huge, which again, fuck society, but which was a huge shock to me was to suddenly be like, you know, shut up just sit there and look and then when i found this cosplay thing i was like well what if what if i started doing this for instagram and now that i have the following mm -hmm. what if i just start doing whatever i want to do and not just do fan service if you will and not just do the like glam thing if you will and i had seen these instagrammers be ig baddies still and still get to cosplay yeah. and be nerdy and be themselves and that's kind of how that all started you bring up a really interesting point about cosplay and confidence because you're right like even i'm not super familiar with the cosplay community but when i think of cosplay and specifically among women i think of like these confident badass women so like have you always had that confidence is it something that you've kind of grown into I would definitely say that I've always been confident, but I would also say that that doesn't mean that I haven't been terrified, mm -hmm. <laughs> always. I am someone who has very severe anxiety. And it's funny to say that because if you know me at face value, like you've known me forever, it's definitely not something that comes off. I'm absolutely a control freak, which comes with my anxiety. So mm -hmm. I do not, part of my anxiety is not letting people know that I'm uncomfortable sure. <laughs> and not letting people know that I'm, you know, I get nervous. But one of the things that I've always kind of relied on is I know I do very well in person, as weird as that sounds. So a lot of my like, anxiety or worries comes from almost having this big persona because people expect a certain thing from you when you're kind of like a showboat all the time and you're like performative all the time which is totally me and it's honest I'm not like faking it yeah. but there is like a certain expectation of you know oh I'm gonna go to this party and everyone's gonna expect me to be telling funny stories and everyone's gonna you You're know expected to be like that all the time yeah exactly and so like I feel like a lot of my anxiety comes in there like even driving here like I was like Marissa when you get there you're gonna be fine and you're gonna do fine because once you start you're fine but the whole way here I was like <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? Because I'm like, Drink your well, champagne. no, literally, yeah. right, right, no, right, right. But because it's like suddenly I'm like, oh, what if I'm not funny? And what if I'm not interesting? And, yeah. you know, and so one of the things that's always worked for me as far as like confidence and things like that is as cheesy as it can sound is like 
I've always kind of had these like affirmations before I knew what affirmations were. Mm -hmm. And some of those things are, I've always told myself that, um, not only like, should I be in every room, but I'm supposed to be in that room. Mm. And I always say things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't, I'm not like, Oh, I'm supposed to like, I'm, belong here or oh I have a space in this room I'm like no I'm I am meant to be in this room I'm supposed to be in this room and I'm gonna take up the space that I should and a big part of society and humanity I feel is you know people get really intimidated by people who have very big personalities Mm -hmm. or loud voices and I don't even mean intimidated in a in a negative way but it is a natural thing for people to be like no no that's a lot, that's too much, like less, less. And there is a lot of stigma, I feel like, with people who maybe are a little more hyperactive or who are a little bigger and louder, that they feel like they're supposed to make themselves smaller to make other people feel uncomfortable. And I guess I've always lived with the idea of fuck that. Mm -hmm. Like I'm gonna take up the space that I need and that I deserve. And if I'm not intruding on your well-being or your livelihood, then I have every right to take up the space that I take up and to say the things that I say and to be the way that I am. And if you don't like it, you have every right to go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we want to know what your craziest drunk story is since, you know, we're three glasses deep of a champagne. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I have so many, but one that particular comes to mind just because it's one of my faves. When I was at the ripe age of just turned 21. Fresh, fresh. Yes, <laughs> just turned 21. My best friend, Becca, our birthdays are about oh, 13 days apart. That's what they are. They're 13 days apart, so about two weeks apart. And she wanted to go to Vegas for our 21st birthday. And Becca and I are the stereotypical best friend dynamic of she exists solely to fix whatever I fucking ruined. Oh, that's Savannah for me. Yeah. It's very strange. Her, her, yeah, her existence is here to be like... Our whole our whole childhood, it was me going, I have this great idea. And her going, we're going to get in trouble. And me going, no, it's going to work out this time. And her going, it definitely is not. And me going, let's do it. And her going, fine. And then us getting in trouble. And then because everyone knew that I was the mastermind, really me getting in trouble. And her going, I told you. So we went to Vegas and she was like, okay, this is kind of your territory so do your thing and like everyone does in vegas i was like oh let's find promoters because you're not gonna wait in line yeah of course so i found this little like promoters we had like a really good time we were doing stuff throughout the weekend these and whatever and this guy that was kind of like our access point and on the last day he was like do you want to do this this or this and one of the things i was like oh we haven't it was like skrillex at excess and i was like oh we haven't gone to that venue yet and we haven't seen skrillex like let's go so i picked that and he's like okay like this is actually my friends in charge of this so let me pass you off to him and i'm like all right and obviously i've met none of these people i think i contacted them through instagram because that's how i do everything but so we go to you know, this club, we're 21, we're like all excited. And this is all the third day that I've ever gone to a Vegas club. So I'm like, this is so dramatic. All the like checking the IDs mm-hmm. and scanning everything and whatever. So we go and we get up there and they're like, can you go to this line? And I'm like, we're getting kicked out. 
And I'm like, this is it. Like, I don't know what I did. And so they push us to the side and all of a sudden they come back over and they're like, here are your drink tickets. Here are your VIP wristbands, like whatever. And we were like, okay. <laughs> so we get all this alcohol. We're getting drunk. Skrillex is about to come out. So we go into like the pit area. And if you've ever been in Vegas or I guess anywhere that's like very crowded, you know that they only let a certain amount of people go in mm -hmm. to the pit area and then they close it off and whatever and so we had been there since early on because we had realized that these lines were so long and whatever and we didn't know we were gonna suddenly be vip somehow so we're doing the thing and we're in the pit we're fucking trashed at this point and i look at my best friend there's like these dudes we like made friends with and we were dancing with them the whole time super nice super great and i look it back and i'm like it's your birthday like i'm gonna get you a birthday shot so I leave the pit, mistake. So I leave the pit and I get these, like, I'm trying to be a baller. I get these, like, two double shot, chilled great goose. Because I heard someone order it once before. <laughs> like, you know. And so I'm, like, walking up with my great goose shots. And the bouncer's, like, and I'm, like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 I was there. Like, my best friend's right there. It's her birthday. And he's, like, the pit's full. And I'm, like, no, 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 no. Like, I was right there. Like, it's fine. And he's, like, okay, so you're getting in last. And I was, like. But whatever. So I'm over here like trying to get Becca's attention and she like walks over and it becomes this whole debacle. Like she's like, no, that like, she was in here so much so that the guys that we were dancing next to that were talking to us come all over. Like this group of five dudes come to the bouncer and they're like, no, dude, like she's been here for like hours. Like she's been, and he's like, that's enough. Everyone, otherwise you all get kicked out. Like he was just on one, right? Like, yeah, oh, get over there. So I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. Like, I'll figure it out. Like, just go back in. Like, I'll figure it out. So I'm drunkenly, like, I walk away from the bouncer and I'm drunkenly, like, walking around, like, trying to figure out, like, what, what am I going to do mm -hmm. here? And if you've been to, like, those bigger clubs like Vegas, it's like you have the pit and then there's all the VIP tables around the pit. But you can only get into them from, like, the pit side. So I'm, like, walking around and, like, I'm looking and I just, I'm like, fuck it. Fuck it. And I just like over one of the booths and these two girls like just jumped no there. dead ass i like into like a vip section and these two <laughs> girls are like and i'm like i'm so sorry it's my best friend's 21st birthday like i need to and they literally were like and we looked back it, at me they fucking like i'm this whole time i have like these two shots of gray goose and they start they, like, literally like lifting my heeled foot like over the booth they're like get her to the pit and the guy's like looking around they're like duck 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 like i'm like hiding in the fucking like <laughs> vip booth every time he turns around and then they're like dawn dawn get her inside like and they're just like and the whole time i'm like holding these fucking shots somehow i made them back inside like, they're just like, like they're literally like crowd surfing me there were these like VIP tables and I like go running up behind my best friend and I'm like Becca and she goes what the fuck and I have these shots which are still somehow full and I'm like cheers fucking Olympics no and the best part is when they like pass me through the last like layer the when they pass me through like the last layer of VIP and they see me like booking it and I'm like Becca they literally were like yeah like the whole fucking like VIP section like grabbed the champagne bottles and we're like, yeah! And the whole time the bouncer's like, what are they yelling about over there? Oh. But you had that confidence of going in the booths because I of alcohol. Yes, oh, thank nice. you. Thank you. <laughs>
with you. This game is called Liquid Courage. Basically, it's rapid fire questions. We're going to throw out some questions at you, and you have to drink after every single question for no reason whatsoever, just because we No, say that's you have the to. rules. As you keep drinking, the questions are going to get more intense. All right, all right. Let's do it. Let's get into it. All right, first question What's your drink of choice? Whiskey ginger. Love it. Mm. Take a drink. Do you prefer going out or staying in? Going out. Party girl over here. What is your go-to party music? Okay, see that's hard because I'm an I'm a indie girl. I'm the person that when they're like, "Who wants the ox chord?" I'm like, "No, no," because no one's gonna want to listen to what I want to listen to. <laughs> so honestly, I'm actually really, really not picky when it comes to anything that's like any anything that I can jam to that has like a good beat. That's like a tune. Okay, is my favorite. But anything in general I, that I can dance to, if it's electronic, if it's salsa, whatever. Would you rather go to a club or a bar? A bar all the way. And there's too much trying at the club. Like, I'm a sucker for dive bars. I love trashy bars. I love $10 cocktails Mm -hmm. and $7 well drinks. And I love if there's a dartboard in the corner. And I love if it looks dark and there's carpet. Yeah. Like that's that's I love <laughs> like that's 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 yeah, but those are the best ones. <laughs> those are the best ones. Oh my gosh, I love it. All right, what's your favorite TV show? Uh, my favorite live action TV show is Skins Generation Two, since so Skins UK for everyone who knows Skins because it's amazing. My favorite anime is Fullmetal Alchemist, and my favorite not live action, not anime cartoon would be Avatar: The Last Airbender, and then Teen Titans on Cartoon I Network. Oh, it's like the greatest thing ever. Okay. How do you cure a hangover? Hair of the dog. <laughs> Drink more. And also greasy food, which tends to actually backfire on me because your girl has IBS and intestinal <laughs> issues. <laughs> so let me tell you, I'm over here like McDonald's. And two hours later, I'm like, why did I do you this? Like, I'm over IBS. Yeah, no, literally. I'm like, <laughs> now I just have to shit. <laughs> do you have any pet peeves? ASMR. <laughs> When I say pet peeves, I don't mean there's anything wrong with anyone else enjoying it. Uh I am just super ADHD and super have a lot of anxiety. And for someone, yes, I'm very hyperactive because of like my ADHD Mm -hmm. and I can be very loud and whatever, but I'm so hypersensitive. So ASMR literally, and this is when I knew that I needed to go get checked out for ADHD, was like people, my friends were so into ASMR and they would put it on and I literally was like, like, it literally makes me like, ah. Oh. Yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> what is your drunk personality? Honestly, I am the funnest drunk ever. <laughs> I am. I can see, I can see it. I yeah, see I that. am the best person We're to get drunk to with. That's what I'm, tell- I'm telling you. Like, that's not just me tooting my own horn, but I know people can be like emotional or angry or whatever. I am a very sensitive person, so I will only be an emotional drunk 
if some shit went down. Mm -hmm. Like if some shit went down, I will absolutely be fucking over here crying my eyes out like a little bitch. Like, you know what I mean? But again, it has to be like very specific. That's not for no reason. It just has to be one of those like crazy nights out where something blows up or something. But normally like I've just, I'm me amplified. What was the riskiest thing you ever did as a teenager? Ooh, I'm, I'm very interested to hear this one. <gasps> okay. <laughs> When I was like 15, I got caught at a party. Like, not caught, but like a parent of someone who did get caught called all the kids of who she knew were there. So after that, my mom was like, you know, yeah. how dare you? <laughs> like I'm not driving you anywhere. Like, you're, you are banned for the rest of high school and that happened when I was like a sophomore and so for the rest of my high school experience I got very adept at lying and sneaking out and all this stuff so for the first like year and a half it was super easy because I was just like drop me off pick me up and then after that I had to be like I have a USB meeting at 1 a.m. like you know like whatever it is so I had to start getting a little more creative and all this stuff in my senior year it was the beginning is the first like few months of the semester and it's like this big party and it's like a very popular person in high school and you know you're just starting senior year and you're like you have to go it's like basically the whole deal like the whole thing that when you're 17 you're like this my whole life depends on this mm -hmm. like I have to and so I had made an arrangement with a friend that was like, oh, I can have all these people stay at my house and it's gonna be fine, you can stay at my house. And this friend was somebody that my mom trusted more because they were in theater. And so I was like, perfect. So this person was like, oh, like I'm gonna have all these people stay at my house. But at that time, this person was never really like in necessarily the popular crowd. Mm -hmm. And you know how high school hierarchy is. Yep. So in this, specific social setting he was kind of getting more attention so he started like acting it because all these people who were in these like hierarchy positions were like can I stay at your house and he had said yes to a million people and so I told my mom I was like oh it's this person's birthday not the actual person who it was I was like it's this person's birthday we're having a sleepover at his house for his birthday pick me up at this time so we're at school and the person who I was supposed to stay at their house came over to me and was like, hey, I'm sorry, but I just like don't have room at my house anymore. And so I'm like, what do you mean? Like my mom literally is picking me up tomorrow thinking that I'm gonna be at your house. And then another person was like, you can stay at my house. Like, this is fine. So I gave all of my stuff, like my sleepover stuff, like whatever to this person, because they were like, you'll stay at my house. We'll figure it out and we'll get you back to the original person's house before your mom picks you up. Long story short, we all get ready. We all go to this party. I get trashed. And I'm talking like 17-year-old trashed, like where it is beyond like belief, like you are not put together yeah. trashed. And this party also, of course, got wildly out of hand. It was one of the biggest parties that I went to throughout my entire time in high school. Completely out of hand. Everything's going crazy. And all of a sudden, I'm like super trashed. And like I told you, like I'm a very friendly, fun drunk. So I run off all the time. So I'm over here like socializing, doing all my stuff, doing whatever. And I come back and I'm like, oh, where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? Because these are the people who are supposed to take me back to this house, do whatever. And they're like, oh, they left like an hour ago. And I'm like... 
And we're talking like high school party, everyone's throwing up, like Uber doesn't exist yet. Like right. parents are being called. The cops just got called. This party's getting shut down. And the people who have my things, and this whole time my mom thinks I'm at this one house just like tie-dyeing shirts, you know, like whatever. Classic. Like, and I'm like, the people who have my stuff are now gone. Like I have no way of getting home. I'm freaking out. There's this whole, like the cops are coming. Like everything is freaking out. And then we have another friend comes out of nowhere and is like, come to my house. Like my mom, no questions asked. We'll take you home. This was like, when I was 17, this was like the most epic thing that ever happened to me because I was like, I don't know where I'm going. And I'm like stuck at seven different parties. And like, and they, these people saved my freaking life. Take me to her house. I stay the night there and I'm like sitting there drunk being like, my mom thinks I'm going to be at this house at like 9am. She's picking me up at 9am. And they're like telling me like, no, we're, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So the next morning, these people and their mother wake me up at like seven in the morning to go to the person who took my stuff's house, oh my like gosh. house. No, literally to go to the person who has my stuff's house to knock on the door. Her mom then drives me to the person's house who I was supposed to be spending the night at. And I run in the house with this bag. Like again, at the beginning of senior year. So you're like, if I get caught, my entire senior year is ruined. So like, this yeah. is over. I'm like running in with my bag. Amelia's mom is like driving off and I kid you not as I run into the house and people are like waking up because they're like what is this slamming door my mom like my phone starts going off my mom's like hey I just pulled up outside so yeah so <laughs> wow this oh that is super risky I love that if you didn't pursue acting what would you be doing I would be a writer I actually found a passion for writing and English in my junior year of high school. Cool. Keep a lookout. There is a poetry book coming soon. Ooh. That whole thing, it's like a very much a self-explorative poetry journey. It's called Nothing Gold Can Stay. And it's inspired by Robert Frost's poem, mm -hmm. Nothing Gold Can Stay. When I was younger, I was obsessed with The Outsiders. And in the book, The Outsiders, there's, you know, the line, stay gold pony boy. And I read that when I was like 12 or something. And forever, I, I became obsessed with that. Like the idea of like, no matter what, no matter the adversity, stay gold. Like you got this, you can push through. And all through high school, like, I was like, stay gold, stay gold. And I had friends, we would pass notes, like stay gold, stay gold, stay gold. And I would go through personal stuff and I would go through all these things and I just wouldn't understand why it was so hard because I had like depression and anxiety and I didn't understand those things when I was 15, 16, 17. And I was like, I'm just trying so hard to stay gold. Like, I don't understand why this isn't working. And when I was in college, you know, I went to New York and I loved New York. It was like the place I wanted to be in, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then I graduated and things happened and I ended up in LA and I never really wanted to be in LA. And I had a really hard time when I was like 19, 20 and I was super depressed and I didn't really have friends and all these things. And then I, and I was really into poetry mm -hmm. and I found this poem by Robert Frost called Nothing Gold Can Stay. And at this point, since the age of like 12, I had lived by this theory of like, stay gold. Like, you can do it. Like, do not break. Do not bend. Like, stay gold. And I read this poem and the whole thing is, you know, it's very old school, very like, 
mm, spring and flowers and they bloom and they die because spring can't last forever and, and whatever. And the last line is nothing gold can stay. And I remember my 19 year old self being like, because my entire world had just gotten rocked because I had spent over a decade being like, just push through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just push through all of this pain, just push through everything. Like nothing's going to hurt you. You have to whatever. And everything was hurting and I couldn't understand why. And when I read this poem, it like blew my mind and I had already started kind of writing this like I had all these poems and I was like, maybe I'll write a book, whatever. And after a while I had already known this poem and I kind of was like, you know, maybe I had gotten inspired by that poem to write a poem, which is the last poem in my book. No one steal <laughs> it. But the last poem in my book is nothing gold can stay. I will be gold again one day. Oh, I oh, love that. Wow. <laughs> we didn't expect rapid fire to get this, this deep, deep, but like, uh, love it. I mean, love it. Wow. <laughs> All right, Marissa, we have been sipping on this lyric sipping. sparkling wine. Okay, we we've finished, been chugging. We finished yeah, two bottles. I'm over chugging. here like on camera like. Yeah, she's pouring it. We've been chugging, chugging <laughs> this lyric sparkling wine from Urban Press. What do you think? Did do you, you like, like it? it? Oh. Oh. Poke, oh, you owe me oh, a glass oh. of champagne. <laughs> you know, I'm not a huge white wine gal, but champagnes do have my heart. Mm. Like there is just something, maybe I just love a good mimosa with a splash of mm -hmm. orange juice. Uh, um, but no, it was actually very good. I do love, I love a sparkling anything. Maybe it's because I was a soda addict in my teen years. Yeah. So <laughs> what would you pair with this um, sparkling wine? Um, conventional, whatever your heart desires. Um, Do you want to go first, Sav? Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, let me think about this. I know, I'm like, I gotta think about this. I would pair this, and I'm biased because we first tasted this at brunch, but I would pair this with brunch. I think sparkling wine always love goes that. great love with brunch. That. It's good that. to sip on during the day. Yeah. What would you pair this with? I would pair this with a day on the beach because it's easy to drink, mm -hmm. it's sippable, and also I want to be under the sun while I drink this. Yeah, I like that. I like that. What's your pairing? Um, I would pair this with drinking at 11 a.m. while I get ready to shoot a cosplay. Nice. <laughs> because Love this that. is who I am as a person. And when you work as a freelancer, sometimes you just say, fuck it. <laughs> I love it. I love that energy. Thank you so much for being yes. joining us today and drinking thank with you, us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate it so, so much. Where Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is so fun. Yeah, I know. So, yeah. I know. Where can our listeners find you online? Do the plug. Do the plug. So you can find me at any social media under Riss Durego, R-I-S-D-O-R-R-E-G-O. Riss as in short for Marissa. I know, so creative. <laughs> um, and then obviously Durego. So all of the Twitter, the TikTok, the Instagram, it's all under the same. Yeah, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and review it. And make sure you follow us on all social channels. It's at Overboard and Screwed. And listen next time. This podcast is produced by Jacob Bumgartner. Our music is produced by Post Wrigley. Check them out on Spotify.